Oh, wow. Gosh. I mean, do I really need to give a talk? Wow. Thank you for that. Oh, wow. So great to be back here. I, I give thanks for the invitation. Uh, this is a special place. Uh, it has won my heart immediately. Uh, you are an amazing uh, group uh, and community, really. It's great to be here with Julia, who I've worked with for many years. She is awesome. Uh, she is fun. She is also invested in the spiritual path in a, a deep and sincere way. So thank you for being here. It's wonderful. So, uh, how y'all doing? How can you be anything else at this place? Uh, great song, great prayer. Thank you for that and meditation. And, um, you know, my my credo has always been, as a minister for quite a few years, um, I was thinking in terms of I'm I'm here to teach, I'm here to love, and I'm here to inspire people into being all that they are already have been created to be, and are discovering themselves to be. So. Uh, there, you know the truth already, and so we're going to be just sharing some ideas and thoughts and some passages as well, um, and kind of pull that together in a particular way. I wanted to start with just kind of, a, I thought, a funny little story. Um, there's this guy who was being interviewed for the police academy, young guy, and he was taking an oral test, and he had, I guess, a sergeant there or something. He was asking him a bunch of questions in terms of the kinds of um, challenges that he was going to face as a policeman and, and how he would react and what would be the route result. And so uh, one of the questions he was asked is, uh, so what if you had to arrest your mother-in-law? <laughs> and without, you know, without hesitation, his immediate response is, I'd call for backup. So uh, that kind of leads me to the question of what is our backup? Do you have a backup plan? Do you have a go-to when you're faced with you know, some challenge or difficulty or some loss or limitation or whatever? You know, we have things that we face in life for, for sure. Uh, I do, you do, we all do. So what's your backup plan? What's your go-to, you know? Uh, life has been likened to a road or a path, you know, and, uh, that we're on, and uh, there are many paths. There's the right path, and there's the wrong path. There's the high path, and there's the low path, and there's the uh, path of God, and there's the spiritual path, and there's the path of good, and the less than good. And I mean, there's a lot of paths, right, that we can label them, actually. But my title today, as was on the screen, is The Road Best Traveled. Now, some of you are familiar with the works of Scott Peck, and he wrote a book, The Road Best Traveled. Less. Less traveled. <laughs> Thank you. I love an audience that helps you along the way. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so <laughs> he wrote a book called the, uh, what was the name of his book anyway, you know? <laughs> the, the Road Less Traveled. So really there are roads that are less traveled, right? And there are roads that are um, most traveled, it's the way of the herd, if you would. And, uh, but today we want to think about and reflect on and talk about really the road best traveled. And uh, there is, for me, uh, one undeniable, uh, unmistakable, distinguishing characteristic of what this path consists of uh, that we're talking about today. And it's simply the path of light. It's the path of life. Um, God is light, and so 
you know, it's, for many a person, grasping that idea can be kind of ethereal. It can be, you know, woo-woo. It's, uh, I want a God with skin on him, uh, you know, kind of thing. And it's, it's out there. It's unseen. Um, it, but Jesus said, you know, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And so there is a dimension on the spiritual path of trusting something that is unseen, that has been referred to as love, which you can't touch but you experience, and which is a presence which you can be in, um, and that presence actually is called light. In Genesis, the first thing that Jesus created, let there be light, let there be light. And so the road that we are on really is the road or the path of light. And what does that mean? Well, you know, when, when you walk into a room that's dark, what's the first thing you reach for? You reach for the light, right? And uh, whether it's something you flip or something you, you pull on, we need that backup whenever there's a challenge or uh, some kind of a dark night of the soul or a dark situation that we're feeling and we've gone through them. I have, I know you all have at one point or another. So we need to turn on the light. We need to remember to reach for the light. And when you think about it, we're all drawn to the light. Um, you know, we, we like sunny days over cloudy days, and we uh, like sunsets and sunrises, and we like to be out at night and see. I mean, were you out last night to see the full moon? Oh, man, just because we're, we're, we're drawn irresistibly to light and beautiful light, the stars, you know. And it just reminds us that's, that's really kind of our home. So virtually every day, over and over and over again, I think we meet up with situations and challenges and circumstances and happenings that are essentially a fork in the road. It's the spiritual path. We come to forks in the road. Yogi Berra, a baseball guy, you know one of his yogiisms? When you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> what does that mean, you know? But the truth is, when you come to a fork in the road, there are really two extremes and variations in between it. You know, there is light and dark. And um, there is wisdom and ignorance. There is truth and illusion or error. There is love and hate. There is oneness and separation. There's the inner and the outer. And so always we have these two extremes and variations in between as we come to forks in the road and decisions to be made and choices to be made in our life, it's like, which one are we going to take? Darkness, actually, you know, is in some of the writings, and darkness is sometimes referred to as evil, okay? And I think some of you have probably heard that the word evil, when you turn it around, it's live, when you respell it, L-I-V. And so... It's basically getting live backwards is when we're in evil or darkness. And, but most of the spiritual writings that you come across, basically the darkness is really representing or referring to ignorance, separation consciousness, you know, the absence of truth, elements of fear, lack of love, spiritual immaturity. Um, and it's interesting that the word ignorance has when inside it the word ignore. And so when we're in ignorance of some sort, we're basically ignoring the light of truth that is there to help and assist us. Now, the road best traveled is the road of light, you know. And the reach for the light is an inside reach. It's not out there somewhere. 
It's turning within. We come from the light. We are of the light. God is light. And uh, our home is light. Many of you who have uh, read about any of the stories on people who have had near-death experiences, it's always they talk about even what might have been a speck. Some it's a big experience, but there's multitudes and thousands of people that always refer to being introduced to a light. And there's an irresistible urge of being drawn to the light because light is our home. Light is what we are. Light is what we are of. And so it's kind of a return. And so it's something very sacred about this light that is a light that is different and well beyond the sunlight or even starlight or moonlight, even though it's all God. It's all God. And so we reach for the light because the, the nature of God and the nature of good is in it. It's made up of really truth, love, and wisdom. That's what the light is. When people have had a near-death experience, that's overwhelmingly, beyond words can describe what is coming at them in terms of that light of truth, is love, you know? And so reaching for the light is actually reaching for a deepening of love. It's a reaching for a, a deepening of truth and wisdom and peace and joy and all the characteristics of when light is flowing into us. So if you take the idea of, of truth as one of the attributes of God, uh, Jesus spoke of this in regards to the single eye. And um, he said that the, the light, the light of the body is the eye. Now it's interesting he didn't say plural, the eyes. He's talking about a single eye. So what's he talking about? Is he talking about a third eye? Is he talking about the eye of consciousness? Is he talking uh, what, what dimension? And uh, I always thought of really this light and the single eye as seeing actually from your heart um, because the heart is the altar of God. The heart is where God speaks. The mind often gets in the way of the heart. And the heart you will never go wrong with as long as you learn to make the difference and to understand when the mind is talking, which is usually filled with past information, and the heart is taking you into the moment, into a feeling that I call felt awareness. And you can call it the light, you can call it a heart intelligence, you can call it whatever, um, but then something comes in that gives you a, a feeling in which you're being drawn with an irresistible urge of life toward one of those forks in the road, and the other is kind of scary or doesn't feel right. Uh, and that's part of the path, is learning that and making that, that distinction, and it isn't always easy. Um, and so there is a, a visible change that happens when people are really meditating and opening to this light, whether they call it the light or the presence of God, but we're talking about light today because uh, to me, a lot was spoken of, of God as light in the, in the scriptures. And um, one of the visible changes that happened and is referred to um, in the book of Matthew is where Jesus met up with Peter, James, and John, and uh, they're in this high place, uh, in a mountain place, and, and they meet up with uh, Jesus. And Jesus has just come from being apart a while, it says. And uh, that means basically he was soaking up the light. And uh, that's what God, Jesus did and had to do also, uh, was to go ye apart a while and just uh, really draw on the light of that presence and power. And so... Um, 
it states in there, Jesus was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. So there are these passages that give us a hint that God is light and is the light of intelligence and love and truth. Um, and it has its effects on, on a person. You know, I, I've, we've been around people that we even say, that person is a light. You know, they're a light. They bring some light into your life. They have a sense of joy and, and love, and they bring something out of you and remind you of who you really are in a particular way. And, you know, wouldn't we all like to be that? Uh, we're working on it. Life is a, a path, a road, if you will. Um, but there's a guy that um, was kind of famous some years ago. He um, is an MD, Arnold Fox, his name was. I don't know if you know that, but he was basically the author and the famous doctor of Beverly Hills Diet. Okay. Now, I don't know if any of you have been on the diet and whether it works or not, but, but basically he met up with a lot of people through his years as a, as a doctor. And one of the things that he said based on his years of practice and meeting with people, he said that he was shown that the people who have lived very long and happy lives have six crucial personality traits. You want to hear them? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, one is enthusiasm. Two, moderation. Three, serenity. Four, optimism. Five, interest in the future. And six, interest in others. Cool, okay? Yeah, they all seem accurate. And on the other hand, he says, pessimism, depression, disparaging thoughts and attitudes work against you and your health. And so all of them he's referring to really refer to a state of mind, a state of consciousness, building you know, a house of consciousness that either expands the light, because you are it, we either block it or we are it. Okay? And that's the path that we're on. That's the road. We have to understand that and how it is that we free, the beautiful song, we free that up in us as opposed to keeping that light submerged under fears and thoughts and ideas and stuff that do not serve us. We're taught that in unity that God is good. You all believe that? God is good? You know, people have a problem with that because they see things that aren't good in the world and they blame that on God. Uh-uh. God is good because everything good and of God is in the light, okay? And there is the statement, hold fast to that which is good. Hold fast to that which is good. Even no matter circumstances look bad, hold fast that there is still good. That's really talking about hold fast to the light as well. And scripture, you know, states, I love this verse, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Everything is of the light. All good is coming down from the Father of lights. And if God is the Father of lights, we are sons and daughters of that light. Okay? And Jesus said, remember, I am the light of the world. Remember what he followed it with? What was it? 
you are the light of the world. That's what he followed it with. Do you believe that? Yes. You know, it's not an easy belief for a lot of people, you know. And Jesus is saying, you know, your, your true reality is that you are a being of light. You are a luminous light being. And, and how much do we, time do we really give to identifying with ourselves as being that? You know, and that's what's important. As a near-death experiencer stated, he said in his experience, having been pronounced dead and returning back and having had an experience, he said, I realized a truth there. We are already what we are trying to attain. So we already are this perfect light being, but we become conditioned and submerged under our past and so forth. So we're all seekers, right? Are you all seekers of some sort, at least to some extent, right? Thank you. Um, there's a story, there's a story about a, a spiritual student, a seeker, okay? And he happened to, you know, just be really emphatic and he burst into the study of a renowned and famous rabbi. And uh, he was all out of breath and he, he gets into the rabbi's office and he says, Rabbi, Rabbi, what, what is the way to God? And the rabbi looked up away from his studies and he answered, there is no way to God. For God is not other than here and now. And then uh, the seeker responds and says, Rabbi, Rabbi, well, well, tell me the essence of God. You know, and Rabbi looks at him and says, there is no essence, for God is all. And then the rabbi, or the seeker asks the rabbi, oh, tell me, tell me the secret that I might know that God is all. And at this point, the rabbi sighs. He's getting a little impatient, even though he's famous and renowned. <laughs> Happens to the best of them. Um, and he says, my friend, there is no way, there is no essence, there is no secret. The truth you seek is not hidden from you. You are hiding from it. Isn't that a powerful thought? You are hiding from it. Truth's not hidden from us. How do we hide from the truth? Well, we, there are elements of it we really don't accept. Or we say, it's too hard, or it's beyond me, or it's too woo-woo, or it's, um, you know, we just don't take it serious or access it or identify with it or pursue it. Uh, we let certain conditions, whatever. There are different things that um, distractions get in the way. You know, Jesus um, said something very similar around hiding the light, remember? Because when he said, I am the light, you are the light, his next thing is, you know, a city that is set on the hill. It can't be hid. It's not meant to be hid. It's on a hill. You want to find it. You want to look to it. You want to be drawn to it. And he said, neither do men light a candle and hide it under a basket. No. You're here to be a light, and you let your light shine so that all may see the good works, glorify your Father, for it's all the people in the room, all the people in the world that you encounter in our part of. Are some of you familiar with the Kabbalah and the writings of the Kabbalah? Okay, you've heard of it, right? It's a body of Jewish writings, and it's mystical, much of it. Must, mystical? Must. <laughs> must, mystical? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, 
but these are deep and wonderful teachings. And so uh, a Jewish teaching is that God is unknowable. And uh, that's one of them, at least. But they say you can know aspects of God. And uh, you, you learn and uh, experience God as light. They use the metaphor that God is light. And that basically you come to learn and know aspects of God through revelations of the light, it being revealed to you. Okay, And so there is a, a story that is, comes from the Kabbalah that tells of a time when God, and this is like, again, a symbolic story, a time when God, which is labeled the endless one, the endless one, wanted to create a world, or the world, and he used the endless light. He used the endless light to create a round sphere, like a globe, so we're getting kind of the, um, the metaphor of what we live on. And anyway, within the sphere, God created vessels like as if they're containers. And they sent a ray of light into the vessels. But because the vessels were unable to contain the light, they broke. They broke. And the cosmos went into chaos. And Kabbalah then explains that life is then a process of repairing and fixing and reconstructing these vessels so that one day we will be capable of holding the light. It's an interesting metaphor, isn't it? You know, because what it's saying is, you know, we are those vessels that's being talked about there. And uh, chaos, you know, happens in our life when we turn away from the light and we don't really engage with it or listen to it or go with the feeling of it or whatever. Um, it's not punishment, it's just, again, separation, which we you know, I've talked about and I know you uh, are taught about. And uh, so when, when people and souls and masses of souls, you know, aren't able to hold the light, there's a certain amount of chaos that goes on in the world. And therefore, what one must enter into then is a process of repairing and fixing and reconstructing their consciousness back to the direction of the light which is pulling us, I'm sorry, pulling us, urging us, drawing us, the same way that when we look at the stars or the moons or a sunrise or a sunset, there's something, something there that is sacred and holy that we don't necessarily understand, but there's a, a, a pulling toward it, acknowledging of it, the wonder of it. Now, an interesting note at the end of the story is it, it ends by stating that although the light that was surrounding the sphere, it also still fills it. It's not just around it, it fills it, according to the story. And they need to make that point at the end. And it says, though it seems that the light is removed, it mysteriously remains in place, because it never left. Wonderful ending to the story. The light never leaves us. We are a work in progress. Love is an important aspect of you know, the things that we are learning. And uh, it's not always easy to give and receive love. That's one of the things that we're on the path of. You know, there was an interesting seminar that was given. This is a true story. A group of women were at a seminar on how to live in a loving relationship with their husband. As if that could all be done in a day. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway. 
The women were asked, well, how many of you love your husband? And they all raised their hand. And then they were asked, when was the last time you told your husband you loved them? Some said, today. A few said, yesterday. Some couldn't remember. And uh, the women then were told to take out their cell phone. And they were told to text their husband right then and there. And to text them the words, I love you, sweetheart. Some had been married a long time, you know, varying periods of time. The next thing is they were supposed to hand their phone to someone else attending so that it was they who, somebody else, would read what the response was when they came in from the husbands in response to, yeah, you're worried. Uh, <laughs> so here were some of the responses, just a few. They were given succinctly and in an honest way. One was, who the hell is this? Another was, yeah, I love you too, what's wrong? <laughs> Another one, what now, did you wreck the car again? <laughs> what the hell did you do now? <laughs> Another, don't beat her about the bush, just tell me how much you need. If you don't tell me who this message is actually for, someone will die. <laughs> There's only a couple more. Can you hang on? Yes. All right. I thought we agreed you wouldn't drink during the day. <laughs> and last, the one I'll share. Your mother is coming to stay with us, isn't she? Uh, it's really funny, and to some extent, it's sad, you know. But uh, there had to be uh, others that were saying, "Honey, that was sweet of you. Thank you for, you know, dialing me up today in the middle of the day." So, but it just goes to show you that you know there's an element of society, uh, soul growth, in terms of not having and finding and being competent and being able to express love and receive love. Uh, where the mind takes us, that gets in the way of an expression from the heart, um, and just to, to, to make note of that, and actually catch ourselves as well. And so, you know, there's a process that we're in that's about repairing, fixing, reconstructing the heart. And this gives evidence to some of it, of course, and the Apostle Paul, you know, addresses this. He says, for, for now, now we see in a mirror dimly, and therefore, we only know in part. So we don't have all of it together yet. And he talks about being a child in the spiritual understanding and then becoming adult and being spiritually mature. And then he refers to that as then, then we see face to face when we look in this mirror. We see the truth, really, of who we are. Uh, then, rather than knowing just in part, he says, and this is the way it's quoted in Scripture, then I shall know just as I also am known. Am known by who or what? That's a spiritual statement. As I am known by God. And was told, let there be light in you. 
and told by Jesus that you are the light of the world, you see? So when I see clearly then, at some point, looking in the mirror, I'll know who really I am. I won't be seen just a part. So it's a process, okay? We're, we're on that. You know, there's a, these things are opportunities given, and, and there was a, a really neat expression of a person that opened his heart and gave light. And this actually happened between uh, former President Jimmy Carter and Richard Nixon. And uh, we know about uh, Richard Nixon, you know, he made a big mistake, a big blunder, whatever, the Watergate scandal, and he was disgraced. And uh, well, a short time after he was removed for office, from office, it was a period of time that went by, and Herbert Humphrey, who was a vice president, died. And so there were people that were attending the funeral, uh, came in from, you know, dignitaries from various parts of the United States and from the world, and um, Nixon attended that funeral. He was there. And he was clearly not made to feel welcome. Uh, people's eyes turned away from him, as if not to acknowledge even being there. People who were gathered speaking, and if he approached them, they broke up and walked away. He was completely ostracized, and this was observed. And uh, then uh, Jimmy Carter, who was the president at the time, arrived. And uh, he walked into the room. And uh, Carter was of a different party than Nixon had been, even. And, but he was a person who was known for his integrity, his honesty, uh, his love of God. And uh, as Carter was approaching and moving toward his seat, he noticed Nixon standing there alone. And he altered his course and walked over to Nixon and held out his hand sincerely with a broad smile, embraced Nixon embraced the man and said, welcome, welcome home, uh, Mr. President, welcome home. And this incident was reported, really, in Newsweek magazine. And it wrote this, if there was a turning point in Nixon's long ordeal in the wilderness, it was that moment and that gesture of love and compassion. You see, President Carter, that day, in that moment, reached for the light. He reached for light. There's a lot of darkness here in this room coming at him, pulling him down. I'm not going to be that because I know what I am. Beautiful, you know, beautiful. Simple things sometimes, large and small, can be an act of being a light in the world or using the light, drawing the light, asking the light for help when you come to the fork in the road. I just recently, I'll just end with this, this pretty talk, this little talk, I mean this little story. Um, we were just recently in Vegas and we were attending our grandson's soccer tournament and actually they won the Vegas Cup. It was pretty exciting to be there for. But anyway, uh, prior to leaving, I was working on this project, and I had this folder, and I had a lot of important papers, and, and I left the, the folder right there on the left side of my desk. And, uh, and so then I was, you know, we were in Vegas. When I came back, I looked for the folder to work on it, and it wasn't there. It was gone. Well, did somebody take it? Where did it go? I was beside myself. Honestly, I was just kind of sick with that. And, and so looked for it for a period of time, and finally I decided, you know, I'm thinking about this talk on Reach for the Light and uh, the road of light, and so I'm going to ask for light, for the help. I really did. And so I meditate 
daily and, and in my meditation, I, I ask the light. You know, there's nothing lost in spirit, and I know that light can somehow lead me, lead me to finding that folder. And uh, 10 days went by. <laughs> so I had to let it go, kind of, and I just kept, if I ever thought of it, I thought, somehow it's going to turn up. I'm going to be shown. So last Thursday morning, this past Thursday morning, I was meditating, and all of a sudden, suddenly I got this vivid image of my carry-on that I have and take and took to Vegas. It's, it's small. It's not that big. It's like a businessman's. And, and when you open the top, it's like an accordion folder. And you have some folders in there. And, and I had other things, you know, uh, that I took along, of course. And anyway, so I, after I showered and had a little breakfast, it's like I found the carry-on, which I had put already back in the attic. And I opened it up. And you know, the, the image was of it open and, and the accordion of folders. So I opened it up, I looked in all the, there's no folder. No folder here. And then all of a sudden, I, I remembered, you know, there's, a, there's a, like a hidden compartment that's shut with Velcro. And so I, I opened it up, and my God in heaven, <laughs> the folder was there. Okay. And I thought, I had no idea I took that folder along. I knew, I, I, why would I? I wasn't going to work on it. I just, I did not recall having done that. I don't know if it got transferred <laughs> somehow, somewhere magically. But here's what it was. It was such a confirmation for me. I had, I had looked to the light. I had asked the light, let the light lead me to this, whenever. And it did. And when those things happen, it gives you a surge of, this stuff is really real and really works. And though we know it on some level, we keep needing to get a shot of that. Beautiful. This is a wonderful church. The light is being lived here. You will learn about the light here. You will experience the light in people here. People care about each other here. It's a beautiful thing. And I end with some poetic words here. It goes, if you are ever having a dark night or feeling alone and cold, with fear having taken hold, there's a place that's soft and still where the road of the soul wants to be taken. If you only will, reach for the light, be touched by a star. Be willing to come out of the darkness and find out who you are. Reach for the light. Let its love and truth shine through. For the spirit knows what it has to do and can do through you. Somewhere in you, there's a power by many a name. It will rise to meet the moment. It's your spiritual flame. Reach for the light. It lives in you. God bless you. Let's turn within. Let's just pause for a moment. Allow ourselves to feel the sacred light that lives in us. We let it be felt, experienced. Let it touch us. Let us inspire us. Let it lift us. 
But the God in you say, let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Remember to go to our heart. The heart shines with the light. The altar of God. I feel my connection to life and love and truth and peace and goodness as I feel the light surge in and through me. I stand as if being showered by the light. Rays of light from on high, the Father of lights speaks to me, loves me, is in me. I am guided from the darkness, any darkness, into the light. I am guided away from error into truth, from the limited to the unlimited, from past and future into the, fut into the present. God is the light by which I see. God is the light by which I live. God is the light by which I love. I am one with the light at all times. In all circumstances, I have learned to reach for the light in me. It lives in me. We say thank you, God. Thank you for these truths. And so it is. Amen. Thank you.